Welcome to The Conversation at AirSafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. Today, we're fortunate to have Kenny Hargrove, a Hollywood writer and producer who's the director of the upcoming independent movie, Snow. Now, without further ado, I'd like to have Kenny give us a very quick introduction to Snow, and then I'll uh, discuss why Snow is relevant to the audience, which is primarily uh, interested in aviation safety and security. So, Kenny, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, full disclosure, everyone. Kenny Hargrove and I go back a few years. In fact, we go back to the, hmm, I'd say the latter part of the Carter administration. We were undergraduates That's together true. at Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> we were undergraduates at Princeton. And because of uh, that relationship, once I found out that he was making this independent movie and it had an aviation aspect to it, it was a uh, bonehead simple decision to put him on the podcast. So please, tell us about Snow. Uh, Snow is a 10-year labor of love. It's all about uh, a woman's personal epiphany, kind of a three-month period where she has to kind of reassess her life and try to figure out a new direction to go in and kind of find her voice as a person and also as an artist. Uh, basically, it's a point where um, uh, a woman discovers that she's pregnant with a child that her husband may not want, and she's forced to make decisions about her for herself and for her un- unborn child, basically choosing between um, uh, love and destiny. So that's the the gist of the film. It's a drama, contemporary, uh, set in California, but as you mentioned, there are lots of travel links to it. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things that intrigued me about this movie, because this basic story of human relationships could be written from a period 500 years ago, 50 years ago, but it's a Mm -hmm. contemporary story. And one of the main aspects of contemporary living is that air travel, at least in the United States and many other countries, is relatively affordable. The idea of picking up and going to another country to visit or to live is something that used to be somewhat exotic, but now it's quite normal. I mean, going back in our own histories, in the uh, mid to late 70s, the idea of being a normal human being, as in not a millionaire, and picking up and traveling and living, let's say, in China for a few years was exotic to say the least. Yeah. Now, in your own personal... Also very difficult to get visas. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I bring this up because... In your real life, you lived for 10 years in Hong Kong. Uh, 12 years. Yeah. 12 years, Although sorry. It, uh, the first half, it was British Hong Kong. The second half, last five years, it was Chinese Hong Kong. Now, for our aviation aficionados out there, you definitely flew into and out of uh, Kai Tak Airport on numerous occasions before it was closed down. Yes, I did. That's always a very exciting experience. My <laughs> first time I was landing there, I didn't know the airport. At the runway was over the water. It was late at night. I was jet lagged out of my mind, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, we're going to like land into the ocean. What what's going on here?" <laughs> now, for those of you who are somewhat familiar with uh, with Hong Kong, it is uh, on the coast of China. It is now a, a an administrative department of uh, the People's Republic of China, and it's no longer under British rule. But in the old days, you had the main airport was in, I believe, the area of uh, Hong Kong called Kowloon. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely in Kowloon, sandwiched between a lot of very densely populated neighborhoods, uh, and it had, I guess, one of the most dangerous approaches in the world. <laughs> and one where both the passengers inside the airplane and people eating dinner on the ground would have a very, very, very close encounter with one another on a regular basis. I'm surprised there weren't more accidents, or there weren't any accidents, because anyone in accident over that area would have knocked out a lot of people. I mean... They make a, like a 30-degree bank just before they land, and you're looking at people's laundry, you're looking at people watching their, you know, watching TV, and it's, it's, you're very close. 
It's scary. <laughs> so you were a very, very happy man when they moved everything to the new airport. Not really. I mean, you know, the old airport, you know, had a lot of character. It was very convenient. Um, the new airport is great. It's lovely. It's got all the modern conveniences, tons of space. I'm sure in many ways it's better, but uh, I kind of like high tech. So let's uh, see. Well, let's, let me ask you something. That experience, being a a person who grew up in a normal American city who's suddenly a world traveler, uh, what's the kind of mental shifts you had to go through to start thinking of aviation traveling across oceans as a, as a normal sort of thing? What was the biggest jump for you? I don't know if it was a big jump because I was just thinking, you know, before we started talking, my earliest memory in life is my first plane ride when I was four years old accompanying my mother to go to her father's funeral in Michigan. So that's my first memory. So plane rides are always something I've liked, and they're always pretty normal for me. Now, switching to the movie, which, by the way, is uh, coming out uh, later this year, you are the motive force behind an independent movie. Mm. The kind of thing that very few people can do, and even fewer people have the guts to try and not only do the movie, but to do the financing for the movie. And in your case, uh, you're taking the independent movie producers route that's fairly popular now of going to a crowdfunding source, in this case, Indiegogo, in mm-hmm. order to get volunteers to pony up to get the movie going. So tell us a little bit about that yeah. before we go back into the characters and, and their travel habits. Uh, the campaign runs for another nine days, ending on January 21st. We're up to about 70 contributors so far. We have a $10,000, the total campaign is $25,000. So it's just for seed money for like lawyers and casting directors and line producers, things like that. Just get the ball rolling, get all the documents in place to, you know, get the, hopefully approach the larger investors uh, in a few months' time. Uh, but we have attracted one challenge donor, someone I knew from Hong Kong, basically says uh, if we can get up to $15,000, he'll put in the last 10000 and he'll probably do some investing further once we go down the line. So, um, we're about, I guess, under uh, like maybe nine thousand from that goal. So we're just trying to reach that in the next nine days. <laughs> and just to make it clear, we are recording this on January twelfth, two thousand sixteen, and it will no doubt be on the podcast by the uh, close of business today. But Great. even if it's beyond the twenty-first of January, you can find out more about this movie and any further follow-on funding efforts if you go to snow.airsafe.com. That's snow.airsafe.com. We'll have links to the Indiegogo site. We'll have some background information on the film and background information on Kenny. So we invite you, whether it's before or after January 21st, to go check it out. Now, wow, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> we, we, we try to please over here at airsafe.com. Now, as far as getting the word out, you obviously have the Indiegogo site. How right. hard or easy has it been to get the attention of the of the entertainment media and the general media about your product? A project, rather. We've had uh, one really good article in the Huffington Post uh, a few weeks ago about the difficulties I've had. Uh, I didn't know this because it's my first movie and I never tried to do this before, but dramas are hard to sell and dramas that star women are really hard to sell. Uh, so I had the article is basically about some of my adventures trying to do that. Um, and uh, I think there's a, there's a blog that should be coming out soon. Uh, and we just did a pitch to the Hollywood Reporter, but I don't know if that's going to work or not. So um, haven't done a lot of, you know, gone out to, um, you know, there's kind of a, a, 
lesbian subplot. So there's we've gone out to lesbian press. We've gone out to some of the diversity press. Uh, haven't gotten a lot of response yet, but you know we're still still pursuing that. So it's fair to say that this movie doesn't have aliens, explosions, international conspiracies, uh, rampant drug use, extraordinary violence, or the usual elements that uh, make up your typical Hollywood blockbuster. But it has something that few movies have, a real meaty, meaty plot, which you had a lot to do with because, if I'm not mistaken, you're the writer of this as well? Yes, uh, writer, director, and at this point, reluctant producer. I get a real producer on at some point. I can just focus on the artistic elements. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that's part of the hard sell because uh, there's a film out now called Brooklyn, which is kind of similar in the sense of a young woman in Ireland uh, gets an opportunity to move to, uh, to Brooklyn and start a new life and all the changes she encounters. But nothing horrible happens to her. She doesn't have horrible choices to make. It's just, but these are the choices that every single ordinary human being has to make, which have a tremendous impact on their lives and even the lives of, you know, the people that come after them. So uh, for each and every one of us, it's something that's very, very important. There are no zombie hunters. You don't have to save the universe. There are no Nobel Prize winners, no superhero powers, uh, no body bags. Um, it's just a good drama about a real person's life. And no plane crashes. No, actually, none of that either. Although we do have a couple of scenes set at a couple of airports, so that'll be interesting. Ah, which airports were these? Uh, well, the most of this, the 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 protagonist uh, lives in Northern California, just uh, just to the west of Monterey. There's a town called Pacific Grove, which I really like. Uh, so there's a lot of scenes, kind of everywhere from um, Carmel up to uh, Santa Cruz and that whole area. So we've got a scene at the Monterey Airport and also one at the San Francisco International Airport. Now, how difficult is it, especially at San Francisco, to get official permission to start running a camera inside of there? Uh, it doesn't really have to be shot there. Uh, in fact, the uh, Montana Film Commission at one point offered me a free airport there. I don't know if that's financially worthwhile. Um, you know, we've shot at LAX maybe a couple of years. Oh, I guess it was like maybe four years after, four or five years after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't too hard. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you go through a lot of hoops and you kind of have some minders. I don't know what San Francisco's like. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> now, you said earlier this is your first movie. I hate to do this, but I have to correct you. This is your first movie where you've been the director, but you've been involved in a number, a number of other movies before this, correct? Yeah, I've actually directed four short films, and I've got a bunch of promos uh, on the Indiegogo site uh, that we shot for this, which I directed. Uh, but this will be our first feature-length film as a director. Now, Princeton didn't have any filmmaking uh, uh, degrees. However, subsequent to Princeton, you had quite an extensive uh, academic background in several aspects of film, if I'm not mistaken, at uh, NYU and USC. Yeah, well, that came later. You know, I guess I've kind of meandered through life, you know, being a geology major who had a certificate in theater and dance and was was a scholarship student with the Princeton Ballet. And the next thing I know, I'm in graduate school in New York and uh, studying international affairs. And then I'm an international journalist out in Hong Kong. And then it's once I got there after living in New York for several years, I realized, you know, because we didn't have it and I suddenly really missed it, how much I loved movies. I mean, I was already a big fan of all the arts, but you know, movie is great because you know you can record everything in one place for all time. Whereas if you do a phenomenal dance performance for two nights, 
you know, 10, 20 years later, no one, is, no one know anything about it. They can never watch it. Maybe now in the age of the Internet. But back then, you know, it was a moment in time and it, and it was lost. Now, talking about your career, uh, something flashed in my head, again, directly related to travel. You're traveling, crossing a border. You go to the equivalent of Customs and Border Protection, and they say, Sir, what's your profession? What do you usually tell them? Uh, now or then? <laughs> uh, then and now. Let's start with then. Uh, well, then I was a journalist, so that was easy. Well, they usually don't ask you, which is actually best. Because uh, not everyone wants journalists. <laughs> um, but now, you know, filmmakers are okay. They, they seem to like film. They understand the concept. <laughs> you right. might think you're kind of famous. <laughs> and uh, that, my concern is crossing borders. If you seem to paint a picture that doesn't make any sense, uh, border guards might ask too many questions of you. For example, you yeah. tell them, you know what? I was a ballet dancer and geologist and an international journalist. The average person might say, okay. This sounds too weird to be true, therefore it must be false. What's your real story? But you haven't seen that as, as a person traveling around the world. And I ask this question because, again, travel has become far more common for men yeah. and women of all shapes, sizes, and colors. And some countries, the sight of, let's say, a person that doesn't make sense would cause consternation. Yeah. For example, a young woman unveiled coming into certain Middle Eastern countries where it's not required to be veiled, but... Certainly, having an unaccompanied woman would ring alarm bells. Yeah. I mean, I tend to travel kind of, um, I guess, business casual. Uh, and, you know, for better or worse, they really look at your passport. Having an American passport, uh, um, they don't really ask too many questions. So if you don't dress like a hippie and you have a, uh, one of the premier passports, European Union, United States, Canada, usually not a problem. Yeah, but because I, I, you know, you go to places like Tokyo, you know, coming into Japan, it's just like, I may look like just like the guy in the next line, but he's got a different passport and he's getting hassled. He may be rich, he may have a PhD, but he's got the wrong passport. Um, you know, it's 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 that cut and dry sometimes. And your characters in the movie are people who would not have problems like that uh, crossing uh, borders. No, it's um, there are no, you know. There are no major financial issues for any of the characters in this film. Um, you know, maybe that's, I, you know, to me it's very realistic. Uh, no one's terribly poor. No one's terribly uneducated. You know, and it's got, a, it, at the end of the day, it's kind of a story between a painter and a poet. So, you know, it, it appeals to that crowd. Um, you know, it's, it's not someone really being kicked to the curb and having to, like, you know, fire at the way out of the back alley in the worst part of town or something. Now, reading about your movie, I had a fantasy. And here's my fantasy. Uh-huh. Uh -oh. I'm flying in an airplane one day in the near future. And it's one of these airplanes that happens to have some pretty good uh, passenger entertainment systems. And I scroll through mm. the movies. Boom. There's Snow the movie. So let me ask you this. Do you see a pathway to put your movie into the kind of movies that show up on airplanes or do you have a, a completely different uh, niche market for this movie once it's finished uh ideally it will get some theatrical and then of course it'll go to um you know all the streaming and downloading but you know definitely hopefully uh, foreign the foreign television uh airplanes wherever else that people want to show movies 
uh, is definitely, you know, we're open to all income streams. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's the kind of, you know, just thinking about this beforehand, it's like I, one reason I love to fly on something like Air France is I can get caught up on all the French movies I would never get to see anywhere else. And a lot of them are dramas. So it's that kind of film you'd watch on a long flight uh, when you don't, you know, when you can actually focus on it for a couple of hours. At this point, I'm not going to say anything about the entertainment choices in the average American airline. So let's move on to a happier subject. <laughs> now, okay. th- this is uh, you're in the initial phases of this. You're looking at twenty five thousand, looking for twenty five thousand dollars of funding. And right mm-hmm. now, I just checked on the Indiegogo site. You're at somewhere around sixty two hundred. Yeah, yeah, about twenty five percent. But we don't have to get to you know, to 25, I just have to get to 15. <laughs> because once you get to 15, boom, you have the $10,000 challenge grant waiting in the wings. We'll come to the rescue and push you over the 25,000 mark. Yeah. And then he'll actually become one of the investors further down the line as well. So crossing my fingers. <laughs> now here's where I directly market your movie. If you donate to this movie, you actually get some prizes. You get some rewards at various levels of donation. As little as $5, you will get a specific um, response from the uh, from the organization. You get a social media shout out. We'll give you a big cyber hug uh, on Twitter and Facebook, and of course, I'll send you a personalized email thanking you profusely. Uh, for twenty five dollars, you can achieve immortality. You can get your name and credits on the film that will be there forever, and also in something called the Internet Movie Database. So it looks like it makes you look like you're a real filmmaker. Uh, but you can, you know. If you want to pony up $10,000, we'll give you a whole range of things. Everything from you can be an extra on the set, you can uh, have a producer credit in the movie. Uh, we're going to have a, a really nice uh, reading of the script with professional actors and a nice reception probably around February or March. You can come to that. Uh, we also have, as part of the movie, we have an official poet. So she's ready and waiting to like write, offic- write individual poems by hand to people and send them out from Denmark. And she's also given me a, a, a box full of um, her latest... Uh, her latest collection of poems, uh, which is already signed, ready to go. So, um, and we also have a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. Uh, she's given us permission to uh, give people one of her popular songs for free. So, uh, we have a lot to offer, and of course, the usual things like people like, uh, I guess, mugs and T-shirts and posters. We've got that too. So, uh, whatever might interest you, mostly cultural things, mostly unique things, but we have all kinds of things, uh, you know, that are there on the side if you want to have a look at it. Now, that was a lot to take in in one fell swoop, which is why, if you're listening to this, you should go to snow.airsafe.com. You'll have a direct link to all of this, and you can find out just how much you have to donate to uh, to get the level of uh, response that you'd like. Now, myself, personally, I have a dream of seeing, seeing airsafe.com up in the lights forever. So I think that $25 one where I get a credit in there, not to me personally, but to airsafe.com, sounds like my kind of deal. Hey, and maybe I'll go perfect. beyond that. Oh, excellent. So hey, we'll be ready and waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that the audience is probably thinking, "Wow, this sounds interesting." Should we go check out the site, or should we listen to Kenny some more? And I'm going to be rude. I'm going to say, if you're excited about this, if you think this is a good idea, if this is something you want to support, even if it's just reading it more about it, I say right now, go to snow.airsafe.com and stop listening to this podcast. So you know, on that note. And I'm hoping that we can have a follow-up conversation once you do get past 25000 so we can see how this uh, process is going on. We'd like to that thank would be our, great. We'd like to thank our guest, Kenny Hargrove, the producer. Thank you and for director. having me. It's well, been fantastic. You are most welcome. 
For more information about Kenny Hargrove and his movie Snow, please visit snow.airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.